that your grace would prevail in their lives, Father. Lord, we as the church want to be a voice of love, a voice of hope. And when communities, even the LGBT community in our country mourns, God, we want to be a voice of love and of hope and of triumph through Jesus, God. So I pray that we, the church, would radically love our neighbors and radically, Lord, share the hope of Jesus that changes lives. Lord, we pray, God, for our city of Chicago. God, to this day, 288 people have been killed here in this city that we love. And so, Lord, again, your church needs to rise up, God, and we need to be unified and be a voice and a force in society that cries out to you, God, as the one who could intervene and be your hands and feet, Lord, in this city. So, God, work, we pray. Move, we ask, and give yourself glory, God, as you do that. And Father, for this Father's Day, I am so grateful for all the men here who take that role very seriously. And Lord, I know there are some guys, if not all of us, as fathers who are very aware of our shortcomings, God. And I pray that today would be a day of healing, a day of um, also um, inspiration, God, to be the kind of men you have made us and called us to be. We pray for healing where that's needed, for joy where that's needed. And Lord, we ask that you would be exalted in our time. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, as Jeremy said, happy Father's Day. I am sorry it is a sauna in here. Uh, Man, but what you going to (laughs) do? Move on, you know. So we'll, we'll, by God's grace, get this worked on by next Sunday. Um, But nonetheless, I'm glad you're here. I'm glad you're here on a Sunday to worship God. And uh, as Jeremy said, for all you men out here who are fathers and spiritual fathers, I praise God for you. I praise God for you. Um, Your role in the family, in the church, and in society is central. It is essential. And uh, as Cynthia mentioned earlier, we, we know that Father's Day does raise all kinds of emotions for a lot of us. Some of us were raised without our fathers present, maybe without him present physically, maybe without him present emotionally. And many of us, um, we can look back and we see our failures as fathers, and now we, we feel the weight on Father's Day thinking, could I have done a better job? Could I do a better job? And I know there's other men who desire to be fathers, but maybe are not at the moment. And It's a conglomerate of emotions and feelings and And I just want to say, as was said earlier, man, we praise God that he is a father who doesn't fail us. He is our perfect example, and he's the one who gives us hope on Father's Day and joy on Father's Day. You know, our country has been broken by fatherlessness, and and it's been an epidemic. And I'm not here to read out statistics of what fatherlessness does in the homes, but, but it's out there. It's easy to find the way that fatherlessness has contributed to poverty, to teenage pregnancies, to depression, to drug abuse, to poor academic standings. And so many of these emotions oftentimes are related to fatherlessness. And we, we, we want to see at the brook is a, a tide being changed. And I look out right now and I see so many men, brothers I love, and uh, so many wonderful examples of fathers. I praise God for you men. You guys, you guys mean a lot to me. And I pray that today you'll be inspired and moved 
and others of you who are feeling some kind of angst, that you'd be encouraged as well. We need to show grace and extend grace to one another. I, uh, I heard an, uh, a news report on News Radio 780 WBBM uh, last week <clears throat> and how many people in Chicagoland are complaining about ants in their homes. That's, we're one of them. We're like, where are these ants coming from? They're all over our kitchen. We've got these traps. And we're, we're getting it under control. But it was irritating for a moment there. We're just saying, what, what's going on? And apparently, the rainfalls we got in April and May have saturated the soils and have forced the ants to come above ground. And naturally, they go where there's food. So that's why they end up in your kitchen. And, you know, today what I want to do is kind of have these words from God's word be a bit of a rainfall on the soil of our hearts, men. And I pray that God will cause us as men to rise to the surface. That we be men who consume the food of God's word and be that remnant that we've spoken about often here at the brook. A remnant is what's left over in a society after a catastrophe. And it's been catastrophic the way our culture has pinned men against the corner. But we want these men to rise up. We want to call men to rise up to God's standard of manhood. And in this day's case, God's standard of being a father. There is a remnant of men who honor and respect and even tremble at the title father. A courageous brand of men who want to put an end to fatherlessness. There's there's a courageous brand of dads who care most about what God says about them. The kind of man who will not relent when spent. Who will not shy away but stay. Will not back down but get on his knees and pray. Get on his knees and play with his child. Run a relay, sip a teacup, take a road trip for miles. Spending quality time and at times quantity times. Lead by example, hands raised like a mime. And when he opens his mouth, his words are wise, valued like aged wine, seasoned like time, speaking God's truth written in God's lines. He's a man of the book so that when things are tough, he won't book. He's a man who understands that he's far from perfect, that he will let down his children, his wife, his self. But he understands that this fight is worth it and won't lay in that pit, but will rise with God's help. The point is that the greatest point he'll ever make is when he points to the maker who by grace new lives creates. So this morning, this is our plea. So turn to Proverbs 3, and from there I'll read. My son... (laughs) Do not forget my teaching, but let your heart keep my commandments. For length of days and years of life and peace they will add to you. Let not steadfast love and faithfulness forsake you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart so you will find favor and good success in the sight of God and man. My son, trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he will make straight your paths. Be not wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and turn away from evil. It will be healing to your flesh and refreshment to your bones. Honor the Lord with your wealth and with the first fruits of all your produce. Then your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will be bursting with wine. My son, 
Do not despise the Lord's discipline or be weary of his reproof. For the Lord reproves him whom he loves as a father the son in whom he delights. This is God's word from Proverbs 3, church. If you have a Bible, would you turn and meet me there in Proverbs chapter 3. The book of Proverbs is pretty much smack dab in the middle of your Bible. If you have a Bible, if you don't have one, there's one in a pew in front of you. Please, it's yours if you don't own one. We want you to have God's word. Today we're going to look at Proverbs 3. And the book of Proverbs, chapters 1 through 9, talk a lot about the instruction of a father and a mother into the life of their child. In particular, there's this refrain that happens throughout these nine chapters that says, my son. And basically, the idea of Proverbs is this. A dad has raised up his son. He is now of age to leave the home. And dad is saying, all right, son, I got some things I need to tell you before you leave this threshold. My son, I want you to know some important truths before I set you free and have you live in this world. When it says, my son, of course, by application, it's to include our daughters as well. It's the instruction not just of a father, but even of a mother. I know there are some here today who are single moms. Maybe dad's not even in a picture of your child. I want you to take heart because God still uses you to be a voice of encouragement and of life to your child. And so here in Proverbs 3, we see this This message for parents, and particular for today, for fathers speaking to their child. And here's what Proverbs chapter 3, verse 1, the the writer says, My son, do not forget my teaching, but let your heart keep my commandments for length of days and years of life, and peace they will add to you. What we see is that fathers are called to be teachers, guys. You are called to teach your child. It is your privilege. And we teach in a variety of ways. Sometimes we do accidental teaching. You ever done that? Where your kid starts doing the things you're doing and not the things you're saying because you're modeling something and you're saying, that was an accident. Don't follow that one, kid. And then we got some purposeful kind of teaching. Like you have a responsibility to tell your child whether he's going to root for the Sox or Cubs. You can't just leave that for himself. Or herself. So like a good father, I made that clear with my kids. They know that good guys wear black. (laughs) There's a purposeful teaching that the 95-96 Bulls are by far the best team in NBA history. I don't care how many wins Golden State's got. Game 7 today, right? What is with this conversation? There's purposeful teaching that MJ's the GOAT, greatest of all time. I don't care how many rings LeBron gets. He's lost four already. I mean, right? Like, there's teaching we need to give to our children. And some are non-negotiable. And when they get older, it's simple things like teaching them to shave, how to drive in a nail, change a tire. See, our lips are voices of instruction. And the Proverbs here says, son, do not forget my teaching. But, you know, it's important here for us to understand, as important as all those things are, and they're very important, is to remember what's most important coming from your lips. He says, my son, do not forget my teaching, but let your heart keep my commandments. What are dad's commandments? Was not simply take your shoes off before you get in the house. But what this passage does here, it rings with many symbolisms pointing to the book of Deuteronomy chapter 6, 
where God has his people there. And Moses is instructing them, telling God's people to remain focused on who their God is. And God tells this to parents. He says, now this is the commandment in Deuteronomy 6.1. The statutes and the rules that the Lord your God commanded me to teach you. This is Moses speaking. God gave me this, now I'm giving it to you guys. That you may fear the Lord your God and your sons and your sons' sons by keeping all his statutes and commandments, which have commanded you all the days of your life, that your days may be long. And jumping down to verse 4, it says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them to your children. You shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise. God's word says this. Parents, fathers, teach your children the commandments of God. This is the greatest privilege you have as a dad. While it's important to teach them if they're a north sider or a south sider, teach them sports, teach them to save, teach your daughters how to be respected by a man, teach them that they're beautiful. But more than anything, teach them to love the Lord their God. And here I believe what the father is saying, my son, remember these commandments. Remember how important it is to understand that there is no one like our God. So there are at least four different things a father is to teach his child related to this topic. And the first one we see there in verses 3 and 4 is that dads tell your child that loving Jesus sets all of life in orbit. Verse 3, let not steadfast love and faithfulness forsake you, but bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart, so you will find favor and good success in the sight of God and man. The Father speaks here of steadfast love and of faithfulness. It is the Hebrew words chesed. You got to get that guttural sound. And emet. This is God's covenant faithfulness and love. And the Father's telling his son, remember your God. Remember his covenant faithfulness and his love and his truth and his faithfulness. And now you, my son, my daughter, walk in that. Walk in that. Prioritize God. Let your life orbit around him as the earth orbits the sun. You know, the earth is some 93 millions, million miles away from the sun. And if it were much different than that mileage-wise, if it were closer, the glaciers would melt. And if it were further, you'd be ice skating to Puerto Rico. But as God has it, he has properly placed earth at a right distance from the sun and let earth orbit the sun on its axis. And if the earth were off any degree, all this planet would go into shambles. And in the same way, fathers, tell your children, life doesn't work if it doesn't orbit around the Father in heaven. If it's off a degree, if it's twisted just a bit, It doesn't work the same way. God has created life to work when it orbits around God and who he is. And here the father is saying, son, remember this. Remember this. And then he tells them, so in verse 4, so you will find favor and good success in the sight of God and man. Now we've seen time and again, the Bible does not teach that we become right with God based on our own good works. No, God calls us to himself based on his grace and love for us while we were sinners. 
And God is pleased in us because he's pleased in his son Jesus when we put our faith in him. But God also does delight when his children obey him. And what the father is saying here is, son, daughter, when you obey your father in heaven, when you have an understanding of God's covenant love for you and walk in that, you will have good success in the sight of God and of other people. It's so true of life, church, that our vertical relationship with God affects our horizontal relationships. I just performed a wedding on Friday, and I told the bride and groom, I said, your primary responsibility is to make sure your walk with Jesus is right. That you love God more than you love your spouse always. Because when you love God more than anything, everything else will come into right focus. And it's like the father here is telling his son, before you leave the house, you got to know this one thing. Orbit around the sun. Orbit around the God of this universe. A second thing we see here is that dads tell your child to trust God and not their own hearts. Look at verse 5. It says, trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and he will make straight your paths. Be not wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and turn away from evil. It will be healing to your flesh and refreshment to your bones. The father is telling the son, trust in the Lord. The word trust carries the idea of having no care. See, when we, when we climb into the lap of our Heavenly Father, He sets at ease our fears, our anxieties. And we have no care in the world because we know He's caring for us. This is not Lion King Hakuna Matata. No worries for the rest of your days. This is not our problem-free philosophy. Because Hakuna Matata means irresponsibility. It means I'm not caring. I'm, I'm, not, I'm being passive about life. There is no such thing as a problem-free philosophy. You will have problems. Life will not make sense sometimes. But a trust in the Lord says, God, I trust that you're in control, and I'm not going to worry here. In this sense, I'm going to care less about what's taking place and care more about what you are doing. So fathers, tell your child to be careless. In the right ways, that is. To care less. The, the proverb says, trust in the Lord with all of your heart. I was thinking about this and really realizing in my own life, this comes in degrees, doesn't it? I, I could trust in the Lord with things that are easy to trust him with. I'm pretty sure there's going to be food on my table tomorrow. I'm not worried about that, but I know he provides that, so I'm not taking it for granted. But I can trust him with that. But can I trust him, and can you trust him with your kid, with your child, with their lives? Can you trust him with things you want to hold tightly to, like your dreams, your passions? And I think what the, what the father is saying here to his child is trust him with all your heart, which means start with the small things and ask God to increase your faith to trust him with everything trust him with everything. When we don't trust God, we're actually leaning on our own understanding, Proverbs says. We're leaning on our own self. We're doing what seems to be right to us. Verse 7 says, be not wise in your own eyes. 
This calls to mind the book of Judges, chapter 21, verse 25. There's a verse there in the Bible. After God's people had been brought into the land of Israel, he had given them everything. He had conquered the nations. He drove them out. They actually stepped in to fields that were already planned for them, homes that were already built. They just walked right and God provided it for them. But just two or three generations after Joshua says, as for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. Just two or three generations later, they forsook their God. And the book of Judges is the sad retelling of how God's people rejected him. It's one of the most depressing things you'll read. And the very last book of the book of Judges, last verse, we see this. It says, in those days... There was no king in Israel, and everyone did what was right in his own eyes. Everyone did what was right in his own eyes. That is a society that's run amok. And what the father is saying here is, my son, don't do what's right in your own eyes. Don't, don't do what seems to make sense with you. Don't trust your heart. Don't tell your child to trust their heart. Because Jeremiah says the heart is deceitful. Our emotions can lead us astray, but we go with what we know, and what we know is that we can trust in the Lord with all our hearts. And so therefore we don't lean on our own understanding. Someone who trusts in the Lord is someone who fears the Lord, verse 7, and turns away from evil. I love it how in the book of Job, it's a story of a man who has suffered, who suffered much. He was a man who had all kinds of riches and all of it was taken away. But in Job chapter 1 verse 1, it says this about him. There was a man in the land of Uz whose name was Job. And that man was blameless and upright, one who feared God and turned away from evil. We see that Job was a man who set his affections on God and feared God more than anything. And it's not a fear that you, like you fear the mafia or you fear a gang, but it's the kind of fear when you stand out at the edge of a cliff and look beyond and it's just in awe of what you see. The the majesty of Everest, the power of the Grand Canyon, it is the, the God of the universe who takes away our breath and we fear him. And, and here we're told to fear the Lord and let life be lived out in the fear of God. Where at the end of the day, he is most important to us. And so dads, the way we teach our children to trust God, to fear him, to not lean on our own understandings, it begins with just praying over them. Just put your hand on their back and pray for them. Open the Bible with them. Bless them. Point them to Jesus when they fail. When you fail, bring them along so you can pray to God with them so they see you repent. Worship with them. Don't be afraid to cry in front of them. Teach them that Jesus is all in all by the ways you prioritize him in your life. You know, a few nights ago, I had quiet time with Levi. The other two were were not home at the moment, and It was just me and Levi, which was actually a special time that God provided that I wasn't planning on. We read the story of Jesus calming the storm. And we have this little devotional Bible, and it says, and asks the question, how was Jesus able to calm the storm? 
And then it answers, it says, because Jesus made the wind and the seas. And I looked at Levi, I said, what else did God make? What else did Jesus make? And he said, storms. I said, he makes storms. Lightning. Yep. Thunder. I'm like, okay, now he's saying all the things we tell him when he's afraid. Don't worry about the lightning and thunder. God made it. So he's, he's reciting it back to us. And I said, how about guinea pigs? Did God make guinea pigs? Did Jesus make guinea pigs? He said, no. I said, he did. He said, really? And it just reminded me, his, his little mind is being shaped by the small ways we can instruct, like helping him see that God made guinea pigs. And so when we talk to our children, whether they be two years old or 25 years old, we have an opportunity to tell them and teach them how to trust God in all of life. And I know as a father, I've failed in that many a times when I myself am freaking out. I'm modeling lack of trust. But even our failures provide opportunities for instruction, don't they? And so as dads, let's teach our children to trust God and not in their own hearts. Verse 9, it says another thing, a third way, thing we could teach. It says, dads, tell your child that what you own can end up owning you. Verse 9, honor the Lord with your wealth and with the first fruits of all your produce. Then your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will be bursting with wine. I find it interesting how the dad is here telling his son how to live life, trusting God, loving God, and honoring God with his wealth. And I just think that the father here is understanding the controlling and obsessive power that money often has on us as humans. And here the dad is saying, be generous with your wealth, son. Give your money away. Honor God with the first fruits of your produce. Give it to the Lord and his work first and foremost. The way we use our money, church, can say something about our trust in it or our trust in God. And here the father wants his son to know that the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof, the world and those who dwell in it. Because how else will our kids know that? Everything belongs to God unless we teach them. Well, the fourth thing the father tells his son there in verse 11, he tells his son to love discipline. My son, do not despise the Lord's discipline or be weary of his reproof. For the Lord reproves him whom he loves as a father the son in whom he delights. The father tells his son, son, the God of this universe will discipline us when we fail. He will correct you when you're wrong. And when he does so, don't despise it, but love him for it. The Lord reproves him whom he loves. God corrects his children because he loves them. Hebrews 12 says, For the moment, all discipline seems painful rather than pleasant. But later it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. The father is telling his son that God corrects those he loves because he wants what's best for them. And as I was thinking about this, isn't it interesting? The father doesn't say, son, God judges those whom he loves. But he says he disciplines those whom he loves. 
And this is important, men, because this is where we teach our children about God's magnificent grace. You see, when God adopts somebody into his family and makes them a daughter or a son, the Bible says there is no more a condemnation that comes from God toward us. But he now deals with us as a child of his own, a son or a daughter. This is crucial because a lot of times in life we feel very condemned by our own failures, our own sin, and we feel the weight and the guilt of it on our lives. But it's important for us who've put our faith in Jesus to remember there is no condemnation before us with God. Yes, apart from God, God's wrath is directed toward us because we sin and we rebel against the holy and perfect God. And so those who are not God's children are under his condemnation and punishment. But when we put our faith in Jesus, we no longer are there. We are now children of God. And now God disciplines but not punishes us. See, a loving father in the home, he doesn't condemn his son, but he disciplines him because discipline has his benefit in mind. It is restorative. It is correcting. It educates. It equips to avoid further and future error. In the same way, that's how God relates to us. And truthfully, fathers, that's a message you need to tell yourself. When you feel condemned, when you feel shamed by your failures as a dad, that there's a God who offers forgiveness to you and doesn't condemn you. And yeah, he'll correct you to get you back on course, but to not walk in those fears and burdens and failures as we often feel as dads. You see, what this father here in Proverbs 3 is modeling for us is the importance of of being purposeful in our teaching of our children. We can teach them the fun things of life, like sports and hobbies. We can teach them important lessons in life, like shaving and how to change a flat tire. We can teach our daughters what it means to be beautiful, what it means to be modest, what it means to be respected by a man. We can speak life to our children. But here this man models for us the most important message you can give, the greatest point you can ever make is when you point to the heavens and tell your children about the God who exists as our Father, the God who has made a covenant with us, the God who looks toward us with joy, the one who calls us to trust Him and not our own understanding, the one who calls calls us to honor Him with our wealth and not become a slave to money, the one who calls us to correction when we go off. And so as dads, we get to communicate that. We get to teach that to our children. I mentioned earlier I'm grateful for so many men here at the brook. And I just pray that God would just give you a new, fresh wind of inspiration and encouragement to be that kind of man who disciples your children and loves them. And for those of you who know you've fallen short, You know you haven't pointed your kids to Jesus. And maybe your child is an adult now, and you feel like your time is lost. I remember looking at a dad once, and he was just grieved by this, feeling this weight. Two of his kids were off to college. One was 
in elementary school. We're getting ready for older years of elementary school, and he's just saying, feel like he, he missed so much. And I just want him to remember, and I want you to remember, this is where you're at, that God corrects us, which means his words, although they might feel difficult at first, he puts us back on course. And even with adult children, men, you can love them radically in a way that shows them the Father's love. To speak life into them. To teach them even still. They may be out of the house, but they're not out of your life. And maybe they're far from your life, but you go pursue them. And you repent. You say, I'm sorry for the ways I failed, but I want to love you. Because that's what God has called us to do. Uh, this past year, Erica bought me this dog tag here. And it's got the names of our three children, Keziah, Lucas, and Levi. And it points to Psalm 127. It says this in Psalm 127, Behold, children are a heritage from the Lord, the fruit of the womb, a reward. And then it says this, Like arrows in the hand of a warrior are the children of one's youth. And I'm grateful for this because what it reminds me is that my children, your children, are like arrows in your quiver. They're like arrows in your quiver. And someone said, it's, as parents, it's not like Legolas in Lord of the Rings where he has an endless supply of arrows. They just keep coming. But parents, God has entrusted to you your children. And those are your arrows in your quiver. And you have the privilege of putting them in the bow, pulling it back, and releasing them. And any warrior who fought with the bow and arrow would tell you that each arrow was precious and valuable and was never to be shot out carelessly. And we as dads get to pull our children into that bow, pull it back, with all the instruction of God, with all of his glory in mind, and at the right time, release them for his glory to be daughters and sons who love the Lord their God, who trust in him, who don't lean on their understanding, who use their wealth for his glory and love their Father in heaven's discipline. And so let's count that a privilege, men. Let's be a resource to one another. Let's spur one another on. Let's be that remnant in our society in the midst of fatherlessness. And let's rock our country with the hope of God and the gospel with courageous men. And lastly, I want to say this. There might be some of you whose dads aren't in your life right now. You might be a young man, a young woman, maybe an adult man or an adult woman. And I don't want you to leave saying, man, it sucks. I was never shot out there. I was never groomed to be the one that God wants me to be. And I want you to know that this is not not the case. You see, when our Father in heaven saves us, he's given us his Holy Spirit. He's given us a purpose and identity. And your Father in heaven loves you dearly. And he will use you mightily. And he has sent you out. Jesus says, go therefore. He has sent you out with his purpose and his plans. And so let your identity be in him, even when you've been let down on this earth. And others of us men, let's look around us. 
Let's be that to others. Let's walk alongside of people. And let's be the church together. Remnant, will you rise? Will we rise up? That's my prayer, man. That's my prayer for us. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we want to just say, God, thank you for the privilege of motherhood and fatherhood. Thank you for the privilege of spiritual parenting, even if we haven't children of our own. God, I pray, Lord, that we would be those, Lord, who see each arrow as precious. That we might even consider, Lord, how to come alongside another young man and add an arrow to our quiver. And Lord, may we be faithful, faithful with this privilege of a task. Lord, may this Father's Day be a day of joy and of rejoicing, even amidst the challenges. May it be a day of inspiration, may it be a day of encouragement. And God, I pray all of us would lay our heads in our beds tonight, thanking you, God, for your fatherhood in our lives. We bless your name. And we praise you for Jesus' sake. Amen. Brooke family, let's rise to our feet.